Welcome to Gleaming the Tube, the podcast where Kevin and Mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point. Finally, a podcast where people talk about movies. Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. So this week, we are, for our inaugural episode, we are discussing 1986's Thrashing, directed by Paul Winters. It stars a young Josh Brolin, who would go on after this movie to a fairly respected acting career, but in this movie, he's not so good. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin. Was there some, like, lost years with Josh Brolin? You know, I I think he came back with No Country for Old Men. Right. But and then like... he did the the Oliver Stone Bush movie. Sure. And he's been in, you know, he played the, the Mad Titan Thanos in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Well, right, but I, that's what I mean. I feel like he did, like, Goonies and then Thrashing. And I feel like I didn't see a single thing from him for many, many years. This, this movie broke his career. Yes. <laughs> in, in both ways, I suppose. Corey gets involved with Chrissy, who is the sister of the leader of a rival skate gang, the Daggers. And the leader of the Daggers is played by Robert Russler. His character's name is Tommy Hook. And his girlfriend is played by a young Sherilyn Fenn. Pre-Twin Peaks, Sherilyn Fenn. I had completely forgotten that Sherilyn Fenn was in this movie. I was surprised and delighted to see her when she first came on screen. Like, real quick, in terms of plot, there's a kind of a Romeo and Juliet thing going on between Corey and Chrissy and there's a big downhill skating race at the end. There's a little bit of class stuff addressed there with the daggers versus the valley jerks. I really liked the daggers, I have to say. like <laughs> Me too. Probably, like, Tommy Hook was probably my favorite character in this movie. I totally agree, and I remember thinking this the first time I watched this movie as a kid, that, like, and I, I don't think I could have put it in these terms as a kid, but when I went back to watch it, I was surprised that, like, he's a surprisingly nuanced character. He's, like, a nice guy in a lot of ways. Well, and, he, and, like, on the one hand, there's that, but then there's also the part of him, like, when they do the joust, when there's going to be, I'm not sure why they do a joust, but there's a scene where Corey and Tommy Hook are going to do a skateboard joust, which apparently involves skating around each other. In a drainage ditch. In a drainage ditch with makeshift maces. And he puts on like blue eye makeup. And he has this weird hair. He looks like one of Zartan's dreadnoughts. And and I think that's awesome. But I'm also like, no skateboarders dressed like this. There are things about the film that really represent and capture skateboarding at that time in a perfect way. And then there are absolutely things like the joust. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, even though that I was not a part of skateboarding culture in LA in 1986, I don't think there was a lot of jousting with makeshift maces in a, in a drainage ditch and, and like 
theatrical eye makeup going on in the scene. <laughs> yeah, those, those honestly, like my two biggest questions for you were because like the scenes on the half pipe, like I've seen half pipes and I'm like, yes, this is this is what skateboarding is. Sure. But I was going to ask you, like, was there jousting, which I, I suspected there was not. And I'd never heard before of like group downhill races. So downhill racing was absolutely a thing. And I kind of looked into it. It was certainly not a thing of any import in skateboarding in the year 1986. I, first of all, by the way, a little side note, I thought this movie was made much earlier than it was. I was certain that that movie came out in, in like 1983 or four. So when I found out it was 1986, then I started thinking like, yeah, there was definitely not much of a, like an organized downhill race scene. It's, it's actually probably more popular now as far as like in the in the this like the sort of sub sub genre of longboarding because of 19, thrashing because, but in 1986 i i i don't think that that was that that was that there was really i mean the the pool contest that he skates in would have been of, of absolute much more importance than the the downhill the 20 mile mind you <laughs> downhill race on skateboards culminating by the way in launching off a ramp at 63 miles an hour which just 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 doesn't seem possible to it's me. like after top gun enlistment in the air force went through the roof and after thrashing downhill race enlistment went through the roof it had a second uh life apparently just try to imagine the uh the person responsible for putting the launch ramp at the bottom of the 20 mile race and people like this seems really negligent he's like no trust me it's gonna be awesome <laughs> and i mean i guess it was awesome because we are talking about it <laughs> my honestly my and like before we go further i just want to state this is not a good movie <laughs> oh, oh oh man <laughs> it, i mean it was not boring right me but it is not well-made. But with the big downhill race at the end, like one of the things I realized was the Corey character gets no better at skateboarding through the course of the film. Well, and that the, that's the funny thing is that I think he's already supposed to be a pretty well-established kid on the scene. He already knows Pierre Wellander, played by the real Pierre Wellander as the freestyle skateboarder in the in the Venice scene. And he's already, you know, like when he has that little exposition scene with the owner of the Smash Skates company. Who, by the way, is played by the one of the creators and stars of the Far Out Space Nuts. Really? Yes. <laughs> that, that, that is an interesting aside, Kevin. <laughs> and with his white, I felt like with his white van, I kept expecting him to invite Arnold and Dudley into the back of his bicycle <laughs> shop. Well, it's it's funny. It, it, it is interesting that at that time, professional skateboarding and skateboard companies were, I mean, they were, they were big, pretty big corporations, but they were also like kind of somehow also out of the back of a van operations. You know what I mean? Like that stuff reigns true. Weirdly enough, like I was saying, as much as some of the stuff in the movie, like the downhill race and the jousting comes off as very just sort of Hollywood addition to keep the, you know, the plot moving. Some of the stuff really did ring very realistic and one of the things was the idea that the guy just showed up at the contest with a van full of product and was just giving it away to people. And that was another thing that seemed interesting to me was during, you know, during the scene where they had, they're at the club show with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'm almost certain that there was like sort of product toss style cross promotion going on at those shows because skateboarding was such a part of that, of that world that it, 
as a kid, I thought, well, I've never been to a show where they would throw skateboard products into the into the audience or there would be like skateboarding going on during the show. But then I started thinking about how ensconced the skate culture was in LA at the time. And it, it actually seemed like it was probably pretty accurate to me. Yeah, because I was surprised to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, a band I do not enjoy, show up. <laughs> in the movie and people doing like skate tricks in the middle of it. I mean, there was some kind of stage diving and whatnot. And I also remembered like concurrently with this movie, the film Tough Guys came out with, which also features a scene at a Red Hot Chili Peppers concert where Kirk Douglas, one of the titular tough guys, um, goes there with his young date. And I was kind of hoping that you could get like a a cinematic crossover. (laughs) Well, I mean, in 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 that in both of those universes, the Red Hot Chili Peppers exist, which which it seems to me like that's pretty on the nose. Like, if you're gonna do a scene in like a skate club in 1986, the Red Hot Chili Peppers are probably one of the first people on the in the Rolodex for that kind of a scene. That did not seem like wildly inaccurate. I thought it was interesting that the Chrissy character wore what was essentially a prom dress to this <laughs> punk rock show for her meet cute with with Corey yes who, uh, but it did allow for the scene outside of the club where Corey explains to her what thrashing is <laughs> Which, where he says and I quote thrashing it's just an aggressive style of skating and I mean he's dead on that is an absolute good point Corey Corey kind of nails it there I, I, I really like the idea that the, whether they meant to do it or not the filmmakers did a really good job of sort of showing that the the daggers and the valley kids are all really the same they're all getting ready for the show and they're all primping their hair and thinking about skateboarding all day in the same way right down to the fact that when you are introduced to the daggers they come down the hill and jump over the, their Volkswagen and then and you know and you're supposed to think of them as sort of these villainous like who would do such a thing to jump on someone's car and then not 15 minutes later when the Valley kids are out skateboarding in the street, they also jump on the roof of a car, it, you know, it, because they're all thrashing, Kevin. It's just an aggressive style of skateboarding. <laughs> the, the other quote that really stuck out to me was uh, when, when Tommy Hook scoffed at the break dancers and said, breaking yes. is a memory. Was there beef between the skateboarders and the break dancers? Because break dancing always struck me as more of an East Coast thing. Say it, you know, it's interesting to me. The subtlety I picked up on in that scene is that the other daggers are starting to like catch themselves digging the break dancing a little bit, and then Hook says, Breaking is a memory, and they're like, Oh, yes, I'm sorry, we're daggers and we're not supposed to enjoy the break dancing. But it seemed to me that was it was more about all that colorful culture happening in Venice Beach, but that you know, but, but Hook was like sort of the director of like what the arbiter of what was considered cool and what was considered not cool. And, you know, say what you will about the movie breaking, you do have iced tea and bondage gear in it. Whereas in this one, you've just got the stupid red hot chili peppers. It's, it's true. Although I, I actually found the footage of the red hot chili peppers to be pretty, it held up to me really well. Like that looked like a crazy punk rock show. That was more accurate than when at the end when the theme song thrashing came on and it was performed by meatloaf. Yeah, <laughs> is not an artist that I have ever associated with the skateboard scene. I was very surprised to see the name Meatloaf in the credits. <laughs> as I as I watched the credits, I was I was pretty impressed with that. And I say this as someone who kind of enjoys Meatloaf's whole Bruce Springsteen mates Andrew Lloyd Webber <laughs> thing. <laughs> 
don't think I've ever heard Meatloaf's whole thing described so perfectly and succinctly, Kevin. Thank you very much. I, that was a, That's the poll quote right there. <laughs> were, like, were the, the producers, were they like, well, we have this song. We need someone that the kids will really like. Somebody get Loaf on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually heard that, that people call him Meat. Like that's like if you're on tour and, and you're backstage and you say like, you know, 10 minutes to show me. That's fantastic. Uh, but there was other stuff on the soundtrack that, that did seem relevant to the era. I think there's a circle jerk song during the big like chase scene. Yeah. And there's also, you know, Corey is wearing an SST t-shirt. Early yeah, he wears before. a Susie and the Banshees t-shirt on his kind of date montage with Chrissy. This movie has a lot of montages. It's, it's almost all montages that was the thing that i was interested in is that with a kind of a movie like this that's sort of like hooked into a subculture what you want to see is a lot of footage of the subculture if you're watching breaking you just want them to get to the breakdancing and if you're watching uh rad you just want them to get to the bmx action and in thrashing there is a lot of skateboarding even though some of it is not necessarily Necessarily. It, it's, it's interesting to me that as a person watching it from the point of view of a skateboarder, some of the stuff they got really right, like all the footage of them just cruising around on the streets is very much the way that skateboarding looks and feels. And I also really like that there's a couple of shots where the actors, even though I'm sure they're not really very good skateboarders, are actually pretty clearly riding their skateboards and enjoying themselves. And so that stuff really rang true to me. And it was really, really actually fun to watch. Some of the, uh, you know, the other theatrical stuff like uh, the downhill race or the, the joust, obviously that's not necessarily part of the, you know, really part of the skateboarding canon, but like the pool, the pool contest, like there were plenty of real pros in that, in that scene doing really awesome tricks. And as a little kid, I remember watching that and thinking it was just insane. Well, when I was watching the credits, because, you know, for, for research for the show, I watched the credits. Sure. I noticed that the second unit director on the movie was Stacy Peralta. Yes, uh, and and that was the other thing I looked up. He's he did a lot of like Stacy Peralta was basically responsible for all of the skateboarding that happened in in you know mainstream movie media for years. He was also a consulting director in Gleaming the Cube. He was you know like he had and he was also uh, in some way involved with getting his skaters in Police Academy Four. So it's, it's there is sort of this imprint of Stacy Peralta on all of these, on all of these sort of skateboarding montages because he was the guy who kind of knew how to film skateboarding. Honestly, I think the film's biggest fail, like when I think about the film, and because you had mentioned Breakin and you had mentioned Rat, I think like with Breakin, there's a character who is outside of the breakdancing scene who was brought into the breakdancing scene, and in like the Karate Kid, like Daniel Larusso starts that movie as the jabroni and then by the end he's crane kicking the shit out of billy zapka and you know i think like karate kid did wonders for strip mall dojos and because kids saw that movie and were like oh well i don't know anything about karate but if i wash some guy's car then i'll be the champion of the world and like with with thrashing everyone just emerges fully formed at the beginning of the movie as badass skateboarders so there isn't really like an outsider point of view character into the world, except for maybe Chrissy. And she's Tommy Hook's sister. And she's already like, you know, that scene where she, it shows that she actually already knows how to skate. You're right. She is already pretty well ensconced into that scene. And that's something I had not thought about. You're right. Like everybody, when you arrive in the movie, 
I also, I, I also like that there's no parents anywhere to be found in the in this entire, like, I had a hard time thinking, like, how old is Hook? Is he, like, supposed to be 17 living on his own in LA, or is that somehow also his parents' house? And, and Josh Brolin's character just leaves for LA for the summer, <laughs> like, like, oh, by the way, out the window, which I always, which, which is, so is he sneaking out? Yeah, is he, but he gets left money for, yeah, for, for not for beer, but yeah, it's, it's interesting to me that, like, I wasn't sure how old any of these characters were supposed to be necessarily, whether they were 17 or 25. <laughs> They're all in their mid-40s. <laughs> My favorite thing about Robert Russler, the, the actor who played Hook, and I'm going to get a little, ner- a little nerdy here. There's a, there's a TV show I love called Babylon 5, which is like one of those 90s direct-to-syndication. I'm sorry, Kevin, I don't mean to interrupt you, but you are getting a little nerdy on a podcast about <laughs> movies that feature skateboarding. So yes. I, think, I think everybody got the memo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Babylon 5 is one of those... 90s like direct to syndication science fiction shows and in the second season the studio demanded that they add a hotshot pilot character who was played by by robert russler and this character was so hated by the people who made the show and the people who watched the show that he was killed off at the earliest opportunity really yes huh that must be a bummer i got this gig Everybody hates you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've never heard anyone say anything bad about the actor. I just think they resented having to add this hotshot pilot character. Sure. And I myself am not immune to the, the charms of a hotshot pilot once in a while. Hey, man. But it did not work in this show. <laughs> so, Mike, I'd say this came out in 86. And from what I know about you, like you either discovered skateboarding then or shortly thereafter. Just a little bit before. What did people involved in skateboarding think of this movie? sort of the arc of the rise of the popularity of skateboarding happened exactly in my time frame. So I was sort of right there to kind of witness it go from this sort of like a toy in a department store to, you know, a, a, a real sort of lifestyle subculture. And I think that at the time, it was probably viewed by skateboarders as sort of sort of exactly like we're viewing it now, like pretty lame in a lot of ways, but still pretty awesome to see skateboarding on a movie screen. And like I said, a lot of the footage, like the, the, all the footage of the, this contest at the bowl and all the footage of them skating that ramp that they had built in the, in the, in the backyard and all that footage of them skating the streets of LA was pretty, pretty radical skateboarding footage. So I think, you know, nostalgia has probably taken over by this point and every skater would say it's an awesome movie. But I think at the time it was probably considered pretty lame, but pretty awesome that Christian Hazoy had a speaking part in a movie. He played the uh, dagger with the green hair, by the way. That's pro skateboarder Christian Hazoy. So yeah, I think it's it's probably like there was so little media with skateboarding involved in it that you were just soaking up anything you could. In fact, I, I remember as a kid sitting for hours watching MTV just because there was the, the video for devil inside by in excess had one skateboarding trick in it, but it seemed like a, you know, it was like beam from another planet because the, there was no availability that I knew of. There were skateboarding videos that existed, but I hadn't accessed them yet. So anything with any kind of skateboarding in it was 
you know, kind of received with open arms by, I think, by the skateboarding community. Okay, and you could get this at major video. Yes, you could, and that, yeah, you could, you could rent it and watch it over and over again. And, and, and until then, I hadn't really even seen, you know, that scene where they're all like, they call it their bond, the acid dropping off the roof at the, at Venice Beach. Mm-hmm. That, I, the, the, that short sequence was like the Bible to me because I was trying to figure out what tricks were and it was hard to see them, you know, hard to figure out what people were doing in a photograph, in a magazine. So to see it being filmed and watching it was really it was really something to see. I had never really seen it presented that way before. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to bring up, because I thought it was just so hysterical, and I actually remember, because this is one of those movies that I watched dozens of times as a kid. I always I always remembered and then was delighted when I saw it again, the scene. First of all, the scene where Hook is, <laughs> is just doing an air guitar solo while all of his friends watch and cheer him on is so hysterically funny to me that because you know the director's like well we need them to be doing something before the fight starts so he's just doing a sweet air guitar solo but then when the the scene happens when he's fighting with his sister there's a pro skateboarder who's in the reaction shot behind the sister and i'm almost certain that it's pro skater eddie radigy the cat the kid with the blonde hair is in the background just trapped in the shot with no idea what to do with his face or his hands. And if you watch that scene, it's just, it's, it's almost like you could see like a, another director kind of prompting him on off camera to just like make a face like, really? Well, that's an interesting point. I don't really give a shit. I'm just going to drink this beer. And it's, uh, it's fantastic to watch. It's just something special. Also the cat that runs across the, runs across the parking garage while they're in the uh, chase scene in the parking garage, which, by the way, when I was a kid, was some exciting stuff. It's like a car chase, Kevin, but they're on skateboards. So what do you think we learned from this movie? Huh, that's a good question. I think break we, dancing? We learned break dancing is a memory. We learned that thrashing is just an aggressive style of skateboarding. We learned that if, if you're going to be in a joust, you need the finest blue eye makeup. It's true. And maybe some wrist guards because cause that's actually the only the, the moment that, that uh, Hook actually becomes a villain is the moment where he has clearly bested Corey and still goes on to break his arm <laughs> to keep him out of the downhill race. Yeah, these two, it, it was weird because these two like pretty much hate each other throughout the entire movie to the point where Hook and his gang burn down Corey and his friend's half pipe. Which, by the way, when I when I was a kid, I watched it. I thought, wait, a s- skaters are burning down a half pipe. They must really hate these valley guys. And at the end of the race, it's as if, oh well, you beat me in this race, so now now we're there's a grudging respect. Well, and I, I now think you that, can bang my sister. <laughs> yes, now you may squire my sister about that. I think it had a lot to do with the fact that he went off of a jump ramp at 63 miles an hour, which doesn't seem like something anybody would want to do. And and the fact that he rode away from that unscathed, I think earned, that was the final notch in the, uh, in the belt of respect that we're holding Hook's pants up. <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> I kind of, Kind of a little free jazz on that one. <laughs> I might, I might end the show on the belt of Hook's pants up. 
I might like get that and then just go right into the closing music. Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at Gleaming the Tube, Twitter and Instagram at Gleam the Tube, and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com. Production assistance by Liam Gray. Music by Kissing Contest. Join us next time when we'll watch Amy Heckerling's Clueless. Skateboarding is not a crime. <laughs>